Perspectives on Slavery and the Slave Trade, Part 2. Mary Prince, Thomas Bellamy, and John Newton. Another popular slave narrative, though published about 40 years later than Equiano's, is The History of Mary Prince, a West Indian Slave, Related by Herself. Published in 1831, it is the earliest slave narrative by a woman. Rather than being captured and sold into slavery as Equiano was, Mary Prince was born into slavery in the colonies. Her account begins, I was born at Brackish Pond in Bermuda on a farm belonging to Mr. Charles Miners. My mother was a household slave, and my father, whose name was Prince, was a sawyer belonging to Mr. Trimmingham, a shipbuilder at Crow Lane. When I was an infant, old Mr. Miners died, and there was a division of the slaves and other property among the family. I was bought, along with my mother, by old Captain Darrell, and given to his grandchild, little Miss Betsy Williams. Captain Williams, Mr. Darrell's son-in-law, was master of a vessel which traded to several places in America and the West Indies, and he was seldom at home long together." End of quote. When she was about twelve, Prince and her sisters were sold to different owners. Here, her treatment was much more harsh. On her first night in her new master's house, she awakens to the sound of another slave, one who has befriended her, being beaten. I was just going to sleep when I heard a noise in my mistress's room, and she presently called out to inquire if some work was finished that she had ordered Hetty to do. No, ma'am, not yet, was Hetty's answer from below. On hearing this, my master started up from his bed, and just as he was, in his shirt, ran downstairs with a long cowskin in his hand. I, immediately heard af- I heard immediately after the cracking of the thong, and the house rang to the shrieks of poor Hetty, who kept crying out, Oh, Massa, Massa, me dead, Massa, have mercy upon me, don't kill me outright. This was a sad beginning for me. I sat up upon my blanket, trembling with terror, like a frightened hound, and thinking that my turn would come next. Prince's account places much emphasis on beatings and other physical abuse, repeated floggings, and the floggings of other slaves. Especially disturbing is this description of Hetty's fate. Poor Hetty, my fellow slave, was very kind to me, and I used to call her my aunt. But she led a most miserable life, and her death was hastened, at least the slaves all believed and said so, by the dreadful chastisement she received from my master during her pregnancy. It happened as follows. One of the cows had dragged the rope away from the stake to which Hetty had fastened it and got loose. My master flew into a terrible passion and ordered the poor creature to be stripped quite naked, notwithstanding her pregnancy and to be tied up to a tree in the yard. He then flogged her as hard as he could lick, both with the whip and cowskin, till she was all over streaming with blood. He rested, then beat her again and again. Her shrieks were terrible. The consequence was that poor Hetty was brought to bed before her time, and was delivered after severe labor of a dead child. She appeared to recover after her confinement, so far that she was repeatedly flogged by both master and mistress afterwards, but her former strength never returned to her. 
Ere long her body and limbs swelled to a great size, and she lay on a mat in the kitchen till the water burst out of her body and she died. All the slaves said that death was a good thing for poor Hetty, but I cried very much for her death. The manner of it filled me with horror. I could not bear to think about it, yet it was always present to my mind for many a day." Prince does not specify the father of Hetty's child, but it's not hard to guess. Her narrative is a catalog of such horrors. At one point she observes, Oh, the Bukra people who keep slaves think that black people are like cattle, without natural affection, but my heart tells me it is far otherwise. The word Bukra here is a derogatory slang term for a white master or boss. Mary Prince was eventually able to escape from slavery with the help of abolitionists and brought to England where she was employed as a domestic servant by a member of the Anti-Slavery Society. Prince's narrative concludes with observations about the institution of slavery and contrasts the situation of slaves with that of servants in England. She writes, I am often much vexed, and I feel great sorrow when I hear some people in this country say that the slaves do not need better usage and do not want to be free. They believe the foreign people who deceive them and say slaves are happy. I say, not so. How can slaves be happy when they have the halter round their neck and the whip upon their back and are disgraced and thought no more of than beasts and are separated from their mothers and husbands and children and sisters just as cattle are sold and separated? Is it happiness for a driver in the field to take down his wife or sister or child and strip them and whip them in such a disgraceful manner? Women that have had children exposed in the open field to shame. There is no modesty or decency shown by the owner to his slaves. Men, women, and children are exposed alike. Since I have been here, I have often wondered how English people can go out into the West Indies and act in such a beastly manner. But when they go to the West Indies, they forget God and all feeling of shame, I think, since they can see and do such things. They tie up slaves like hogs, moor them up like cattle, and they lick them, so as hogs or cattle or horses never were flogged. And yet they come home and say, and make some good people believe that slaves don't want to get out of slavery. But they put a cloak about the truth. It is not so. All slaves want to be free. To be free is very sweet. I have been a slave myself. I know what slaves feel. I can tell by myself what other slaves feel and by what they have told me. The man that says slaves be quite happy in slavery, that they don't want to be free, that man is either ignorant or a lying person. No slaves here, that is, in England. No whips, no stocks, no punishment except for wicked people. They hire servants in England, and if they don't like them, they send them away. They can't lick them. Let them work ever so hard in England, they are better far off than slaves. If they get a bad master, they give warning and go higher to another. They have their liberty. That's just what we want. We don't mind hard work, and if we had proper treatment and proper wages, like English servants, and proper time given in the week to keep us from breaking the Sabbath. But they won't give it. They will have work, work, work. 
night and day, sick or well, till we are quite done up. And we must not speak up nor look amiss, however much we be abused. And then, when we are quite done up, who cares for us more than for a lame horse? This is slavery. I tell it to let English people know the truth, and I hope they will never leave off to pray God and call loud to the great King of England till all the poor blacks be given free and slavery done up forevermore. End of quote. One important difference between the two narratives is that in Equianos, the protagonist always seems able eventually to turn a situation to his advantage, whereas Mary Prince has fewer opportunities and certainly less mobility, perhaps due in part to her gender. The slavery issue was very much a debate, and it is important to note that there were pro-slavery writings as well. Thomas Bellamy's The Benevolent Planters, A Dramatic Piece, is one example. Published in 1789, the same year as Equiano's interesting narrative, The The Benevolent Planters is reminiscent of Hannah More's Village Politics, a play with a propagandistic purpose. It was written for the anti-emancipation lobby, and the planters in the play even have allegorical names such as Steady and Heart-Free. In attempting to somehow redeem the institution of slavery, the play emphasizes several points. Slavery is a matter of chance or destiny. It emphasizes the benevolence or goodness of the planters who hold an archery contest and reward the winner with freedom, land, and a mate of his choice. And slavery is even seen as the result of good fortune, rescuing Oran from certain death. The play tells the story of the slave Oran, who was separated from his beloved Salima by war with a rival African tribe. Oran was on the verge of being killed by his enemies when a troop of Europeans, as they are called, that is, slavers, broke upon them and took them to a slave market where Oran was brought by his master, Heartfree. Another planter named Goodwin owns Salima, and having recently learned her story, the two benevolent planters conspire to unite the two lovers. For her part, Salima has a memorable speech in scene two when she praises her good and generous master, ever consoling me with hope, who has given me mind, taught me your language, comforted me with the knowledge of books, and made me everything I am, prepared too my soul for joys, which you say are to succeed the patient bearing of human misery. End of quote. After the archery contest, which Oran wins, he is rewarded by being presented with his beloved, long-lost Salima. You receive her pure as when you parted, with a mind released from the errors of darkness and refined by its afflictions, end quote. Thus, she is not only still a virgin, but has actually been improved by being converted from error to Christianity. And the play stirringly closes with the singing of an anthem, Slavery is but a name, sung to the tune of Rule Britannia. 
Finally, no discussion of the slave trade could be complete without mentioning John Newton, a former slave trader who undergoes a Christian conversion experience and becomes a famous preacher. Newton's memoirs, Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade, published in 1788, was another important text in the debate over the abolition of slavery. Even more memorably, Newton wrote Amazing Grace, one of the most famous Christian hymns of all time, whose first verse reads, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see.